Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. Glad to have you here today. My man, DeAndre Presley in the building. What's up, what's brother? What's good? What's good? What's good, man? How I appreciate you, doing? you for having me on here, my man. You know, it's it's an honor to have you on the podcast, man. We've, we've had a couple workouts together. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> before you introduce yourself, I want to tell the story of when I went into Metabolic one morning, and I was like, man, how's this workout? And you just looked me in the eye and be like, I'd get your mind right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, but that's why I be telling them, man. Like they be like, "What we got today?" I'm just like, "Man, just come with your mind right." Like, yeah, especially the way the intervals are now. Yeah, like just get your mind just right. Just get your mind right. Just get prepared. Mm-hmm. Don't need, don't ask what it's gonna be. I'm gonna call it right now. I think that's gonna be the theme of this podcast. Get your mind get right. Get your mind right. Um, for folks that are listening, man, who who don't know who you are, who might not have read about you before or anything like that, why not give a quick introduction into who you are, what you do now? So my name's DeAndre Presley. Went to Appalachian State University. Played quarterback there. Played a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, met my wife at App State. Um, she and I now own um, Metabolic downtown Greenville. Mm-hmm. Um, we have been owners for since November first. Yeah. And how's how's that journey been so far? It's been it's been good. It's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. Um, I get people asking me like, "Do you feel pressure?" Like, I mean, of course, there's always pressure. Mm-hmm. But I think I was telling you this like a couple of days ago that like it's one of those things like this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. So like it it just it comes with it. Yeah. Like so I don't be like oh my gosh it's I wish it were like this. Yeah. I, wish were, I just I take everything that comes with it, take it in stride. When it's part of what you're doing and it's part of what your goal is, the pressure. I heard uh, someone describe it. He goes, when you have pressure on you for something you don't want to do, they call it stress. When you have pressure on you for something that you really want to do it's actually just passion mm-hmm. and the passion is what gets you through it man um talk a little bit about your your football days at appalachian state how that was what your experience was like and all that man it was fun i, I remember when i was in high school i graduated high school in 2008 yeah and i remember watching app state um beat michigan and kind of followed them throughout the season and then when they got to the semifinals against Rich- Richmond yeah Armani rushed for like 313 yards and I remember going back to school the next day it was like dog did y'all see that did y'all <laughs> see that um and then fast forward to the national championship game watching it and my cousin was like yo if they recruited you if they offered you would you go mm-hmm. I was like absolutely <laughs> kid you not like this is just how God works two weeks later Coach Satterfield, who's now the head coach at Louisville, who just won the ACC Coach of the Year, mm-hmm. he's sitting in our office, head coach's office. And at the time, we had a running back who was like just the, the guy. Yeah. Um, his name was Ty Jones. And I'm like, man, I'm going to take this as my opportunity to introduce myself. <laughs> so I'm like, yo, DeAndre Presley? It's like just the person we come to see. Really? Straight up. <laughs> and so we talked for a bit. Um, they they came to the house, did a little home visit, and I had like all my family there, like yeah, everybody. Call the cousins, man. Hey, look, let's get over here. Yeah, like ask all the questions you want. And by the end of it, um, it's kind of like, man, I think this is where I want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, they stayed in town for that week, and I ended up flying with them 
um, up to Boone, which was like really freaking cool. So fast forward my freshman year, I play a lot, start one game, um, sophomore year, dang on, don't play that much. Go back to the whole recruiting process is like, cause like they're doing home visits mm-hmm. and like you just sat there like, you know, if they recruited me, yeah, I'd do it. Did you think at the time you'd be able to? And then when it all started happening, were you in a sense of disbelief or did you did you kind of just wear that jacket right away? No, nah, man. It's like when he when he asked that question, like if they recruited you, would you go? Which is kind of like no brainer, like but not thinking that it would actually happen. Yeah. Um. And and so when he's sitting there, I'm like, holy freaking crap. Like <laughs> This is I, I just watched you win a national championship mm-hmm. and he had the like the championship ring from the previous year. I'm like, dude, how can I get one of those? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get one. No, but it's that, okay, but it's all right. <laughs> yeah. it's all right. But you still got another ring. You met your wife at. <laughs> I got yeah, yeah. I met my wife. Yeah. I got a couple, a couple conference rings. There you go. Yeah, a couple conference rings. But at the end of the day, it's like I remember Armani was like, it, "It's cool, mm-hmm. but everybody get gets one of those." Yeah, like you read only the best of the best get national championship rings. Yeah. And so that was always something I'm like freaking, hey, I didn't get that. <sighs> Close though. But, you know, my wife, my wife got a ring put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she got a ring. Yeah. Talk about like you said sophomore year, didn't play that much. No. Nah, step back. No, it was it was mental. Like it was all, the reason I didn't play it that much, it was just a mental thing, man. I was always in my head. I've always been somebody who I just overthink everything. Mm-hmm. The simplest things, I over, I would overthink it. And I remember we were playing. Um, I started against ECU, mm-hmm. and I mean, it was right there for us to win. And I just overthinking everything. And we had a guy named Travars Cadet who became one of my good friends who played in the league as well. And he came in at quarterback and just start marching down the field. And at that point, I was just like. Mm-hmm. Your time here yeah. is done. You kind of just saw it transitioning saw right it. in front I of you. I saw it happening. Um, then I moved the receiver, <laughs> only came in on run plays. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny now that I think about it. Yeah. But, but in the heat of it, I was pissed. I like how you said um, I was always in my head because I do that a lot. And I think a lot of our listeners do that too, where they almost they overthink things to a certain extent where they almost become their own detriment. Because a lot of times uh, I read the book As a Man Thinketh, and it pretty much talks about your thoughts can actually manifest where they could manifest into real life. So when you start thinking, oh, this person, he's out there, marches down the field, oh, he, he's going to replace me and, and all those things you're worrying about, in fact, take you to that conclusion you're trying to avoid. Yeah. <laughs> I think a, I heard a pastor say it. I think it was Stephen Furtick. I think he called it like self-fulfilling prophecies or something like mm-hmm. that. Um and that's exactly what it was. Like for me, it was like, dang, I hope you don't get in and do well. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened. Dang, I hope they don't score. Dang it, that's exactly what happened. Um, but then my junior year, we had a coach um who played in the league, Daniel Wilcox, and I'm forever grateful for Coach Wilcox. He came in and actually started teaching me how pros like prepare. Yeah. And that was the that was the game changer. Yeah. Um how like, do pros prepare? Man, it's just every, every the game starts in practice. Like yeah. it that's the Say game, that again. Like the game starts in practice. And so like you always everything is every every time you hit the field, that is the game. Mm-hmm. Um every look that you're gonna see. I mean, you're not gonna there's no way to prepare for everything. Yeah. But for the most part, like 
Everything you see in the game, you've already seen it all week in practice. <laughs> so you know what's coming, when it's coming, and now it's just make the play. Yeah. And so when he helped me to understand that, man, like I treated every dang on practice as if it were a game. Mm -hmm. From the way I threw the ball, the way I ran the football, um, the way I joke with my teammates. Yeah. Um, I kind of put that pressure on myself. And, and, and my and my offensive coordinator always helped me put pressure on myself as well. Mm -hmm. So that when I got in the game, it was just just another it was, day. It was just, yeah, it was just another day. Yeah. And so my junior year was the best year I've ever had in football. I went on to win SoCon Offensive Player of the Year. Um, I was one of the top three finalists for the Walter Payton Award, which is basically the Heisman of the FCS. Yeah. In my opinion, I should have won it. My Fair stats enough. and my highlights were better. But, yeah. You know, <laughs> they, they were better. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, it was just – from him helping me to understand practice. Yeah. And so when the opportunity for the league came around, it was just like I've kind of been here. Yeah. You're like, yeah. I'm already in the mindset. I'm in the mindset. Yeah. Get your mind right. Yeah. Get your mind right. I'm already ready, yeah. you know? Yeah. I love that because it's everybody knows the famous, uh, the viral video, Allen Iverson. We talking about practice? <laughs> Not a game. Practice practice but to kind of apply this to real life and for the listeners that might be working on um their own podcast working on their own business whether it be e-commerce or or any other venture right practice is where the business starts had a guy here today is you know we're we're at camaraderie mm -hmm. co-work space and one of the guys who also runs the space he introduced himself to me he's like man i gotta say i see you in here every week I like that. That's consistency. I haven't seen that kind of consistency for a while where people don't realize it's the practice. It's the the, the drills that you do day in yeah. and day out. And when I go on air in the morning, we were talking about prompter reading yeah. and stuff. When I was trying to learn how to read the prompter and, and kind of be smooth on air, a lot of it was repetition. A lot of it was kind of dusting myself off, getting back up and then yeah. after the commercial break, going again. You know, and, and there's stumbles, there's falls. And I, when I played football back in the day, I played corner. Mm -hmm. I didn't have good hands, so I had to play defense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping it real. But um, there were a couple plays, mainly at practice. Honestly, uh, I don't really think it ever happened in a game, maybe twice, where I really got burnt, mm -hmm. right? But in, in practice, whenever I'd get burnt, you know, safety comes up to me, slap me on the ass. Hey, man, short memory. It's what it is. Yeah, short memory. Next play. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't dwell on it. You cannot, cause if you do that, man, like it's going, it's just going to spiral. Mm -hmm. Like my so, my rookie year, um, I went from playing quarterback at App all four years to in the league playing corner. Never hmm. played corner a, a down in my life. I don't know what I'm doing. Like I, my senior year, I separated my shoulder, and um, we were struggling as an offense, and I kind of. Kind of knew they were gonna try to blame it on me. To yeah, be honest with you. Um, but I told my my really good friend Jamal, I was like, "Look, this is what's this is what's gonna happen. You're gonna come in, and they're gonna open the playbook up, and it's gonna look like things are like moving, and it was me. But that's gonna go back. It's gonna quickly go back to the way it was, and that's what happened. And I remember going up to Coach Moore. I was like, hey, Coach, like, I, like I, I think by now you know that I'm gonna do whatever the team needs. Yeah. But this is my senior year. Like, I will not sit the bench. Yeah. Like, play me wherever you want to play me. 
but I'm not going to sit the bench. And I remember that week in, that week in the weight room, he came up and was like, hey, we need some help at corner. Say no more. Yeah. And like, dude, I'm, they throw me in. I'm starting the next game against Sanford. Really? And they're coaching me as they're calling the play. Oh. And they're like, look, just don't get beat deep. <laughs> just don't get beat deep. <laughs> and it's just like, I can help you with that one. Yeah. Like, nothing get past me. Cool. Um, and I'll never forget, dude, my very first tackle as a corner was a forced fumble. Really? Forced fumble. I went on that game to have like six tackles, forced fumble, pass breakup. And it was just cool. But it was just one of those things that like, in the league, like transition to the league, it's like you just got to fall in love with the process, man. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I learned coming in early. I would get down on myself if I got beat. Um, and I had a really some really good t- teammates, um, Quentin Jammer, um, Atari Bigby, mm-hmm. um, Antoine Kaysan. Like they, they were like just Eric Weddle. Yeah, like these guys were just amazing and helping me understand, like have that short memory. Like, you gotta forget it. You're gonna get beat deep. Mm-hmm. But I think it was the res- it was their encouragement to be like, dude, let it go. Yeah, like let it go. Like if you keep dwelling on it, you gonna get beat the next one and the next one yeah. and the next one. So get your mind right. Just get your mind. Let it go. Yeah, like, let it go. Even and I think that transitions to life too. Yeah, because a lot of people make huge mistakes. At case in point, me and like. We dwell on it, and we're like, "Gosh, dang, it's the end. It's the end. Yeah, like, life is over." With. <laughs> and it's just like, dude, that was just a play, man. Like, yeah, that was just a play. <laughs> like, you still got a whole life to live. Let like let that mistake go. It's like something I read where <laughs> it said, "Did you really have a bad day, or did you have a bad ten minutes that you allowed to spiral into more that rippled into the rest of your day that messed everything up?" When you could have just let it go and had a good day, dude. I literally just said that to my wife <laughs> the night last night. No, yeah, last night. Mm-hmm. Tell her about that, and just where my mindset is, it's just you screw up. So what? Yeah, like you're learning. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, and the person that's portraying that they're perfect, they're they're lying. Mm-hmm. They're lying. Yeah, and absolutely. I feel like they don't really know who they are. Yeah, they don't know themselves yet. What's what's powerful about the mindset with that, um, uh, Charlie Rocket, I can't think of his full name, but you probably know who I'm talking about. Um, he has this thing on Instagram where he's like, I'm on a winning streak. And it's like every little thing where he catches a green light, ooh, winning streak, <laughs> <laughs> you know? But it's just like, because it's so easy when we mess up to go, like, oh my gosh. And then what do they say? Bad things happen in threes. So they're like, oh, something bad happened. Something else is going to happen. Something else is going to happen. You're you're prescribing yourself a bad day before the day even starts. Uh, if your alarm goes up, goes on off late or something. Oh man, I'm having a bad day. It's eight a.m. Yeah, you just the day barely even got started. How's it bad? You just spoke that over yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Dude, have you ever seen the the? It's on Netflix, I think. But it's this. It's, I guess it's a documentary, but it's called The Secret. Have you ever seen it? Yeah. Man, I, I saw that when I was in college, and that like sh- completely shifted my perspective to realize the law of attraction mm-hmm. is like real. Yeah, <laughs> that like we've attracted everything that we have gotten. Yeah, based off the way we were thinking or responding to situations. Mm-hmm. Um, Dre, you a nip nip hustle guy nipsey hustle fan. yeah he like i heard this interview that he was talking about like if you're consistently putting out negative energy 
mm-hmm. that's what's gonna yeah. come to you is yeah. negative negative energy. That's so powerful. Um, I was doing a story about driving on ice and and whatnot, and these professional drivers they were telling me how to control your car. And he said the natural response for people whenever they're spinning out is they look at the ditch and they say, "Please don't go in that ditch. Don't go in that ditch." But what they don't realize is your body steers to what you're looking at. Yeah. And then the car ends up going in the ditch that you're so worried about. What they say is like, keep your eyes on the road yeah. when your car's spinning out. And then your body and your movement will steer you towards where you're looking back onto yeah. the road. And a lot of people in life, they see that ditch in life. Or even, you know, when when you're in the car, and I think we've all done it a little time. You know, your eyes get heavy or something. You swerve a little bit. And you the, the yeah. on the side of the road and huh. yeah <laughs> but like sometimes people hit that and then they 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 go and look at the ditch like they're that's coming up next no just course correct yeah you know we all have those little bumpers on the sides of our trails it's gonna let yeah. us know when we're kind of veering left or right uh talk about the transition from college to the nfl because i've heard so many different people talk about the difference in skill level the difference in competition and how you go from these great players to the best of the best and somebody like you transitioning from not just one side of the ball, but to the other side of the ball yeah. in a completely different position um, that has to inc- increase the difficulty some way. For me, it did um, going from running forward yeah. all the time, um, going for running forward and trying to beat a defense and knowing where the holes were as a quarterback to now, backpedaling mm-hmm. um like as a quarterback you know what what everybody's doing i know if i call this play at 15 yards he's gonna do this i know what my check down is i know where my help is. i like i know all that stuff yeah whereas at corner like you have no freaking clue <laughs> like you are it's it's just a guess and i and the only thing i have to go off is just how he's running his route yeah and like relying on my technique to like get me through this down like mm-hmm. um and that was that was so different for me man going into it not knowing anything never really backpedaling before um having to learn not just what i was doing mm-hmm. but then being able to actually understand the concept behind what i'm doing and i think that was the biggest thing once i started understanding the concept and not just focusing on like what i got to do Man, it made the it made the transition so much smoother. Yeah. Um, because a lot of rookies come in and they're like, Man, this playbook is huge. Like a book, a book full of plays I gotta learn. Yeah. And then they only focus on like, if I'm a corner, this is what I gotta do. So I know when this covers this is it. But like it ends up making it a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. Cause like you don't know where your help is coming from. So now mm-hmm. you're playing routes that you don't need to play. Um, but once I learned the concept, man, it just made it so much easier. Yeah. Um, to that point, and I, I never got past high school football, right? And I and one of the self reflections on that, I had athletic ability, but my mind wasn't right at the age. I was too young, and I looked at the game too shallow. Mm-hmm. So to the same point with our playbook, it wasn't big, but whenever the linebackers are yelling schemes and, and we're we're adjusting the defense. I remember I tapped my helmet because I knew what coverage I was in. And I didn't really bother to know what the blitz package was, where, where the linebackers were going. I didn't bother to know what the D, the ends were going to be doing. Mm-hmm. I just was, okay, I know, okay, 
200, okay, I'm covering the flat, all right, I'm going to cover the hook, yeah. you know, okay, I'm going to deep half. Right. I knew what I did for each play. Right. But to your point is, if I know I'm covering the flat and there's nothing in the flat and the play is going to the opposite side, sure, I, I need to squeeze in, but I should also be aware of the linebacker. Is he coming around yeah. on the left side? Like, if I know what the other 10 players on the field are doing, I can better position myself for where that gap is going to be, yeah. which in essence will then put me in the right position to take advantage of a mistake that the other team makes. Right. That it's is kind, so true. It's kind of crazy how I was so one one perspective minded yeah. in the game of football when, I mean, as a team sport, you have to be aware of everybody's movement. Yeah, it's, especially, sorry, especially like in, on defense, man. Like th- I think this is where I learned communication. Mm-hmm. Because like you know, on defense, like we would always uh we would always say if you see something, say something. Yeah. Even if that thing isn't happening, if you see something that just that looks out of the ordinary, do call it. Mm-hmm. Um because as a secondary, it's like we're the last line of defense. Yeah. And especially if you're a safety, like you are the last line of defense. So it's like there there's no help. Yeah. Like if anything get behind you, it's it's a wrap. And so, like, it really taught me how to communicate, which is something that it's funny that I learned communication on the football field. But then, like, you I love football so much because all the lessons like transition into real life Mm -hmm. and like communication is so, so, so important. And like a relationship and like I didn't really kind of bridge that (laughs) until like later. And now I'm like, I, I say to my wife, like, dude, like, communicate with me. Like, if if you see something, like, if I'm doing something and I don't really recognize that I'm doing that thing, like, do, do say something. Like, yeah. don't just let me continue doing the wrong thing. Like, let me know what's going on. I cannot read your mind. Yeah. Like, if you don't say something to me, I'm not just going to be like, oh, man, you know, babe, she, you know, court hasn't. You know, she's looking like she needs a break from the kids and she needs some alone. I, I, I'm i not just going to mm-hmm. be like, yeah, let me let me give her some alone time. Like, I'm not going to I'm not going to know that. Yeah. But if you come up and say, hey, look, I was really wanting to go do this. Um, This is how I'm feeling. Then I could be like, oh, cool. Like, you yeah, know, you need some time. Let me let me get the girls <laughs> and let us go do something. But do football really, really help me. But back to your point about like understanding concepts are the point we have first about understanding concepts like i also know learned that once i knew what the other person was doing and how what he does will affect me yeah man it made like it made the game so much easier too because like if we were in what we call a fire zone which is like a blitz Mm -hmm. um where like um a linebacker's blitzing and like i know that there's a hole there and there's nobody else to fill that gap then that's going to help me to be like, okay, this is this is the weakness mm-hmm. of the defense. This is where we can be get beat. So let me try to play to that, yeah, a little a little bit more. And and again, that's something else that is, you know, transitioned into my, you know, my marriage to be like, okay, where are we weak? Mm-hmm. Like, where are we weak? Yeah. Okay, let's play to that. Yeah. Because like we don't need the. I've heard it both ways. I've heard some people say just focus on the strengths. Mm-hmm. Like if it's if there's if there's a weak area, don't spend a lot of time on what's weak. It's a yeah. weak area. It's not going to get any stronger. And I get it, 
But like to me, I'm like, man, if if that's where we weak, then I need you to be strong in that area. Yeah. Like I need you to be strong in that area. And I think that's what football has helped me with too. Um, just knowing like if we're weak here, somebody has to be strong in this area. Yeah. So kind of helps to cover your flanks because I mean, when you talk about multiple people working together, a common goal, usually the football team is built around filling the gaps and weakness. Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned before, in, in terms of having issues with the offense or whatnot, obviously the coaches are going to look at us like, okay, so where are we slacking? Our, uh, is our line the weak point? In, is our is our secondary the weak point? You know, where in this whole scheme of things are we not consistent yeah. and are we not whole? And what a good coach is going to do is going to try their best to equal it out, to fill in the gaps, cover the, cover the flanks. Talk about the transition out of football and and kind of leaving the NFL, what was that that picture like? How did you cope through it, and and what landed you here in Greenville? Man, that was probably the hardest transition. I think that's the toughest transition from for anybody mm -hmm. that has reached um, a high level um, of success or. The, a high level in whatever their field is mm -hmm. to go from that to like in the army or the military, they say to return to civilian life. Yeah. It's like, it's not the same. Yeah. Cause nobody really understands. Nobody understands you. Mm -hmm. Like, cause everybody, this is what they've been doing. Like they've been, I don't want to say mediocre because it's not mediocre, but like this is just what they've been doing. And you've been performing at a high level. You've been yeah. training at a high level. So like everything is done at a high level. Mm -hmm. And so when I came out of the league, man, my identity was wrapped so much in football that it was like, that's who I am. Yeah. And I and I didn't realize that football wasn't who I like. That's not who I am. It's what I it's what I do or it's what I did. But it took me about it took me a good three or four years to get to a place where like I'm comfortable. Yeah. And who I am. I'm comfortable in, you know, what I've done. What was that journey like? Was it self reflection? Was it kinda like trying different things and trying new things? It was it was a lot it was trying different things. like trying trying this and trying that. And I think that really nagged and bothered my wife mm. a lot um, because her family, um, they own an industrial distributing company and she's a director of marketing for them. And like for her, it's like she knew like this is what I want to do. Like this is it, yeah. you know. Um, and so for her, like that's what her family has done. That's what they will be doing. So it's that one thing. Whereas for me, it was like, okay, I played football not really ready to go get a real job yet because I'm still on this high of like, mm -hmm. I can still compete. Yeah. I, I've competed at a high level. So like just sitting at a desk job isn't going to work. Yeah. And I did that, hated it. Um, I remember when I got cut from Carolina, within two months, I was at App State as a director of, um, director of leadership player, Student Athlete Leadership and Development, excuse me, and was there for two months and ended up leaving. Mm -hmm. Loved the job, but it just really didn't fit the family situation. Yeah. Left there. Went to work for my wife's family's company. Didn't like that at all. Mm -hmm. It was working in a warehouse, 
just like didn't fit me. Yeah. And then moved down here, tried to get involved with coaching, didn't love the, did, wasn't in love with the X's and O's of the game. Yeah. Like I really love teaching the technique of stuff, but the X's and O's, I'm like, first of all, we're trying to teach kids like yeah. this grand scheme of stuff. And it's like, break it down. Make let, it man, let's keep it simple. Like we don't have to come out here and do this crazy game plan. Like most of them aren't going to retain the information anyway, not knocking any of them, but it's just like, it's just, we're, we're doing way too much. Yeah. So I wasn't in love with that. Um, and then got into construction, got into landscaping, got into, just different stuff, man. And like truthfully got to a point where it's like, I hate working for other people. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I just, I hate it. Um, I want to be able to create my own schedule. Yeah. I want, like if I want to spend the day and take my daughters to the trampoline park, I don't want anybody to tell me I can't do that. Mm -hmm. If I want to not come in today and, me and my wife go for a lunch date or something. I don't want to be like, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm out here doing this and I'm not going to yeah. be able to do it. And so, you know, when Metabolic came up, man, it was like this was the perfect fit for us. Yeah. Because it, I was doing what I love to do. She was doing what she loves to do. Both of us love fitness. Um, both of us love helping people. And so I was like, man, this is just, this is it. Fits. It, it fits, man. This this is like, I don't know if you've ever wake, uh, wake surfed before. Mm -mm. If you, you got to try it. But when you wake surf, the boat's going slow. But there's this point on the, as you're sur surfing, it's called the sweet spot. And that's where you like, it's just a sweet spot. It's the smoothest spot in the water or yeah. the wave. And and I felt like that's, this is where that, this is that sweet spot. Nice. For us. Nice. Um, And it's just, it's just really cool to be able to control if I want to be able to go spend time with my family and not feel guilty for doing it. Yeah. Um, and we also got a great, man, an unbelievable crew of people. Yeah. That t uh, teammates that help us at MAD. Now, they, they've all been there before, uh, longer than us, but they make it so easy, man. So we're in that sweet spot, but the transition was just difficult, man. Mm-hmm difficult transition always is but i think getting your mind right through it and, and pushing through it's always um it's the main process that people kind of forget they they get overworked or overwhelmed and they think to themselves i'm not where i want to be i'm not at that location but they forget kind of like what you mentioned earlier was you know the process it really is where the story happens you know trying the landscaping and the construction all those things i tell people they they get so wrapped up that i don't know what i want to do well, start by trying some stuff and find out what you don't want to do. Yeah. Because that gets you closer to what you want to do. Oh, you, would you want to do a desk job? No. Nah. How do you know? I did it already. Yeah. Would you want to do construction? No. Nope. Nah. How do you know? I, I did it already. hated it. <laughs> so, hated it. But those are the, those are the um, attempts and the tries that lead you and has led you to Metabolic where Jess and I, after class yesterday, we were leaving and, and Jess mentioned, she was like, you know, because uh, obviously we know the previous owners, yeah. Nick and Sarah, and Jess was just like, you know, if they sold it, they sold it to the perfect people to be in there because I we can tell this is what you guys love to do. You I love really fitness. Yeah, you love working out. You love helping people. And and we have fun when we work out with you. It's like, yeah. <laughs> no, dude, it's that's like what it is, man. Like, 
I, I, I remember looking at my wife and I was just like, I'm just going to be honest with you. I have pretty much tried everything. And I'm at a point in life where I am not spending energy and effort doing stuff that I have no passion for. Oh, nice. I'm not. Nice. I'm not doing it. That's not. I'm not being a dictator on that. I'm. I'm not saying it's my way or the highway. Like I respect what you are saying, mm-hmm. but I am at a point where I, I just feel like it's a complete waste of time. Yeah. Again, Nipsey Hussle mm-hmm. finds your purpose, or you're wasting air. Like yeah, that's, that's just that's. I feel like that's what it really is. Mm-hmm. Find your purpose. What God created you to do. What he who he created you to be. Or you were just wasting air, and there, and I, and I feel like there are a lot of people who are just existing, yeah, kind of waking up, going through the motions, hate their job. Um, dude, I, I forget where I read this, but somebody, I, I read this where it was like most people, most heart attacks happen on a Monday, yeah, around like nine thirty or so, and it's because people hate their job; they're waking up. To and it's not that they're dying from the job. The job. It's, it's just, well. It's just they. They're. They're not passionate about yeah. what they're doing. And it all kind of comes together. And, it, and, and they're stressed. And, yeah. They're like trying to, you know, reach certain goals mm-hmm. for a job that they don't really like. Yeah. And so, I just got to a point where I was like, man, I'm. I'm not spending time doing some doing things that I don't have a passion for. Absolutely. Which led me to I'm going to try everything. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm. I'm just gonna try everything. Like me and my daughters, we we watch Zootopia a mm-hmm. lot. Love that. And Shakira's song, "Try Everything," mm-hmm. dude. I'm like, this is it. Yeah, dude. I'm gonna try. Try everything. I'm everything. not gonna be afraid to fail. I'm not gonna be afraid to screw up because mm-hmm. it's in those failures that you discover more and more of who you are. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and and that's. I can't, that's another thing that's kind of got me to me being comfortable in my skin and who I am. Yeah. That I can comfortably say I have failed. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I have failed. You and me both, man. Royally failed. Yeah. In every aspect of life possible. Yeah. But I remember talking to one of my pastors and he was just like, if that was the biggest hit that the enemy could give you and you're still standing let's go let's go yeah like let's yeah. like that's that was his best shot yeah so like you like just, just let's just go let's get your go. mind right let's go get man. your mind like, right let's go before we wrap this up we're coming up on our time um really quick i did want to touch on the music because talk about uh-huh. trying things and growing and, and you have the passion um you guys training metabolic and, and moving and grooving. But I know we were talking about that music that you've been building and working on. I want to give folks an opportunity to reach out to you in multiple ways and maybe even uh, hear some things that you're working on too there. Yeah, dude, the music thing, man, it's always been a passion. It started out as just poetry. Yeah. Um, and it started, it actually started after my father passed away when I was 14. Oh, man. That it was, my mom was like, you want to go to therapy? For like, I don't know what therapy is. Like, we, let's... I'll, I'll write how I'm feeling. Yeah. And uh, poetry became that way of me being able to express to people how I'm feeling without being judged or mm-hmm. somebody being like, oh, you're wrong. You can't feel that way. You can't think that. Yeah. And so it's, that's what it started as. And then from there to just singing, 
writing songs or lyrics to going to getting in college and um my friend Trey picking up his guitar started playing chords and it just words just started pouring out yeah and we wrote our first song my junior year in college and it was titled my destiny mm. and from there on man like it's just been this build up and my wife and i kind of mm. bicker about that a little bit because she's <laughs> like you can't do mad and be doing this and i'm like they all go hand in hand yeah like they going together. you don't get the big picture you baby. don't get the big picture <laughs> but man but music man it's just that it, it's everything yeah. And so I've started pursuing it um, as more of a songwriter. Mm-hmm. I want to be a songwriter. Um, and so we, I've, I have like two songs out right now. One's called Hard Placing You. It's a co- more of a country song. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote a song with my friend Ashley um, Stidfold. Um, it's called Deep End, more of a Christian um, nice. song. And then I got a few projects coming out. All right, um, one that I've been kind of, I guess, promoting, if you will. It's called Chosen One, like my project on my own with my me and my buddy um, Ryan or R Dot on the beat. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, man, I would love for everyone to follow me on Instagram at DeAndre underscore ten, mm-hmm. DeAndre Presley underscore ten. Yeah, um, and just check out some of my music. Hard placing use out. Yeah, go look at it. If any of you know country country stars that are looking for songs, yeah. tell them, get at me. Yeah. Because <laughs> I got a whole booklet of songs ready for somebody to record. I love it, man. And I'll have all that linked into the show notes and all that. And uh, DeAndre, dude, thanks for being on the show. Um, something tells me you might have to come back sometime soon. Man, anytime, dude. Yeah, as we continue anytime. to grow and, and go through different seasons of life, I think we'll have uh, different levels of, of knowledge to, to share. But yeah, get your mind right. That was kind of the... The theme of the day and love that you shared your story some of the notes i wrote down was um don't always be in your head a lot of times if we're in our head it holds us back from really kind of just doing what it is we want to do you can't be afraid of the ditch on the side of the road keep your eye on the road and the game starts in practice man i really pe- hope people take that to heart because um that's something you guys have to go rewind play it back a couple times that's where it all starts in the practice and then fall in love with the process and um I love when you were talking about your identity kind of after leaving football. You know, that's not who you were. It was what you did Mm -hmm. and uh, trying new things along the way and uh, try everything to find what your purpose is, man. Yeah, too. That's the only way you're going to discover it. Yeah. It's to try stuff. Like you said, find out what I don't like Mm -hmm. because what I I know what I don't like, which is going to lead me to ultimately what I do like. That's what I say. Try new things. You never know. You might just stumble on what you love. And when you do find it, Man, hold it with, man, hold it tight. Yeah. Don't let go. And don't, I guess what I remember, and this is the last thing I'll say is, in um, The Pursuit of Happiness, man, Will Smith said something. It's like, if you got a dream, you protect it. Mm-hmm. Don't let nobody tell you what you can't do or, what, or who you can't be. Yeah. And I've really, I've, I've, I've held on to that. Um, that there are a lot of people who got these big dreams and they're telling the wrong people. Yeah. They're telling people who are just killing their dreams because these people project their fears mm-hmm. onto you. And now you're taking somebody else's fears and making them your own. Yeah. And it's like, you're getting killed before you even get started, my man. Yeah. And so I'd say to hell with what everybody else got to say. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if this is what I want to do, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And 
if I fail, I'm going to get back and I'm going to try to get back up, try it again. Absolutely. I think at the end of the day, we'll hate ourselves for not trying than trying and not being able to do it. You will. Yeah. Well, DeAndre, man, thank you so much. Appreciate and, it, man. Hey, anytime we're going to have to have you back. And the listeners uh, that made it with us uh, and rocked with us all the way to the end, thank you. Hopefully you got a lot of value from this episode. Don't forget, we have our Patreon account out. Definitely want to show us some love on there. That's linked also. You can support the podcast and help us out month in and month out. But like we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain. But you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow. The No Rain, No Rainbows podcast is recorded at Camaraderie, a collective workspace in Greenville, South Carolina, right off the Swamp Rabbit Trail. If you're looking for a place to grow your business, network with other professionals, and establish your own workspace, Camaraderie is the place to do so. Get access to high-speed internet, private showers and towel service, free methodical coffee, and free beer on tap. For more details, be sure to head over to camaraderiecowork.com or hit the link in the show notes and find out how you can lock in your space with rates starting at just $99 a month. Be sure to tell them that Ted sent you and try it out for free. You never know, you just might find a new home at Camaraderie. Let's grow.